0: Thank you for listening to BLC Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message, brought to you by Les Mitchell. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. So, good evening. How nice to be here with you. We're so sorry to go, but we've got a home to go to and everybody's got to go to their own house at some stage, but um, this is a very special place and... The people make it what it is. And we, we love being here for the people. The coffee's good as well. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's just the most refreshing experience to come here. Because we, we've been to a lot of churches over the years in our ministry. And you realize that what this church has is very special. It's very different. And... I know it goes a long way back, all the way back to uh, Derek and Gene and what they started in East London a long, long time ago. And it's still carrying on. That same thread flows through you guys. Thank you for letting us be part of you. It really has been good for us. So, you remember last week we talked about the fear of the Lord? And um, I really trust it didn't come out as the terror of the Lord. Because it was never intended to be that. But I want to pick up on something really interesting. You know the story of Abraham, who was the patriarch, the father of the Hebrew nation. And he was given the covenant of God. And he passed through his son uh, Isaac and passed through his son Jacob, who journeyed to Israel, to Egypt, where his son, Joseph had already gone and that's where God provided for them for all their needs. But decades passed and the Pharaoh was very grateful that Joseph was there, died, other Pharaohs turned up and what you ended up with is a bunch of people who uh, they couldn't figure out what they wanted to do with these Hebrews so they turned them into their slaves. And they built their massive architecture and fantastic, fantastic buildings using the basically the Hebrews as slaves. And for four hundred years, generation after generation, people were born into slavery slavery and they died as slaves and they they lived as slaves. They thought as slaves. They could not be blamed for thinking anything different. And then God raises up Moses and he says, you're gonna be the one I want to use you to bring those Hebrews out. They are the people of the covenant, the people of my promise. I've heard them and I know their need and I want to bring them to their their own place. And Moses, you know the story, he, did, he went there and God did so many amazing miracles to bring, to cause Pharaoh to eventually say, okay, go. And even down to the, the last of the, 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 the plagues was, when the people were told to take a, f- a freshly slaughtered lamb and take its blood and paint the lintel of their doors, and that was the Passover where the angel of death passed over. But every house that wasn't marked in that way, the firstborn in every household died that night. And it was an awesome, awesome thing that happened. And it turned out that the next day, Pharaoh said to Moses, Take your people and go. Because Moses said, the Lord wants us to worship in the wilderness. And what happened is the, uh, the people left. And when they left, the Egyptians were so pleased to see them go because they've been tough having them. Uh, that They gave them their gold and their silver and their, their precious, precious items. And in a sense, they, they left Egypt with the spoils of the nation without s- striking a blow because God took care of that. And they arrived at the Red Sea, and you know the story that there was this pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night protecting them. And then they were aware that Pharaoh was coming to fetch them, take him back. He changed his mind. And then God told Moses, open up the Red Sea, put his hand out. The sea opened, and all night the wind blew. The next day they walked through on dry land, They got to the other side. Miracle after miracle after miracle. It was awesome. But you see, they were the part of the covenant people of God. And God was fulfilling his covenant with his people. And they get to the other side. The Egyptian army follows them into the ocean. And God tells Moses to shut the ocean over them. And that's the end of the Egyptian army. They journeyed on. Four days later, they're running out of water, and they arrive at a place called Mara. And they get there and blow me down. The water is brack, and they can't drink it. Just having seen four days before God parting an ocean, they say it would be better for us to stay in Egypt to be here and die in the desert. Can you see that when you've been a f- slave for all your life? it 's hard to think any differently you can 't think that God might want you to succeed to 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 see His glorious provision, but God speaks to Moses and shows him to throw a branch into the water and it turns fresh, and they have water. But all through the days that go on, every time there was a lack, there was the same thing: Did you bring us out here in the desert to die and this is this constant battle going on until eventually God sees they have a need to understand. They've seen the miracles, has seen all the good things that I've done. They need to see me. Because when they can see me, they will not doubt who I am. And so God tells Moses, "Bring the people, the Hebrews, to the, um, the Reds uh, to, to, to Mount Sinai where the people are to assemble and meet with Moses—I with God with Moses. But the people see this mountain trembling and the trumpet blast and smoke and thunder and lightning and they're terrified of looking at God. So they said to Moses, look, you go speak to God and you come and tell us what he says. We'll do it. Do you see they missed the chance to know God? as he is. He's more than just a need meter. He's God, eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing. And they missed the chance. That cost them 40 years in the wilderness, till that whole older generation died off in the wilderness, because they couldn't become the people who would inherit the land that God had for them because it had to be inherited by faith. It couldn't be inherited by people who doubted that God was good, that God could do this. And so we came to this understanding last week that we also need to understand the fear of God if we're to not doubt who He is and what He would do and oh, where would it bring us? We see goodness, we see miracles, we see uh, provision. But somehow as people, it's often not enough to convince us that we can trust God. And so we prone to vacillate and get back into, well, maybe I've got to give God a hand. Or maybe God actually isn't who he says he is. And what happens, I've come to understand, is that the fear of the Lord vacillates in our lives. And we may have a fabulous conference here. We've had many. And we may have had, you may have had an encounter with God which would have totally transformed your belief system in who he is. And for the next number of days that follow, you can't wait to spend time before this God. You can't wait to see what he can do today. You believe without a shadow of doubt that he will accomplish everything he said he would accomplish. But something happens. It does with me. Maybe it doesn't with you. But I need to be reminded all the time, this God is not one who vacillates in his promises. He's not one who disappears every night again so that I've got to put my trust in something else like the Hebrews did by saying to Aaron, make us a calf and then we'll believe the calf instead of this chap Moses is up the mountain and won't come back. And so we need this continuous refreshing so that we can be reminded who God is. And what he has done. The problem is that there's a a power of lawlessness that functions in the world. And you just need to drive around. I mean, today, yesterday, Dot and I watched, we got to a roundabout, and a woman came, she should have given way to her right. She was on the phone driving. She just went right through. On her phone was, lawlessness aboundeth. You're traveling along and the traffic's heavy and you're in the left-hand lane and a taxi stops right there and everybody waits. Lawlessness. You see, strange things happen. You see, there's a mindset that as long as I'm not caught, it's alright. So we exceed the speed limit, it's okay, as long as nobody catches me doing it. And that's what that spirit does. It permeates into us in the church. It brings us into that if we don't continuously refresh ourselves. This is who our God is. This is our God. He can take care of that. He can provide. But the moment we get into the kind of familiar territory, we forget that He can be trusted. We forget that He is more than capable of fulfilling every promise he has made. And so God is always in this thing. And you know, there's this wonderful scripture in Matthew 5, chapter 5, when Jesus says, you, speaking to us, our forefathers, you are the salt of the earth. You guys are the ones that are gonna make this earth a better place. You know, um, Jesus said, if the salt loses its saltiness, what can you do with it? It's only fit to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You can't remake it salty. But if we're the salt of the earth, we gotta be the salt of the earth. We gotta live as the salt of the earth. You know, tell you about a match made in heaven, salt and steak. Now, the steak's okay without the salt. It's edible. But salt in itself, is not not very good at all. But when you sprinkle a bit of salt on the steak, it works. It's perfect. Because the salt makes the steak good. In the same way, God's plan for us is that we would make this world good. It would become a better place because we live in it. Every single, every single one of us is in, given this potential to become a nation changer. Not just people who stand on platforms. Everybody. You know, d- does it ever amaze you that Jesus raises up these disciples? Three years he spends with them, and then he leaves and he hands it all over to them, and he trusts them. He trusts the Holy Spirit. He knew the Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, everything changed. Well, in the same way, He trusts us. He has given us His Spirit. He has saved us from our sin. And He's given us the Spirit that we will change the world and make it a good place. You know, I was so aware this morning, I was up very early praying and I thought, you know, there are probably loads, probably thousands of people like me who got to preach today and getting before God and crying out to God to come and change the people's hearts. Come and make this worthwhile. I don't want to be an after-dinner speaker and entertain people. I want to do something that has eternal consequences or there's not much point. And then I sat and I thought, so all over this country today, thousands of people, will come together and worship Jesus and they'll hear the truth proclaimed. They'll be able to relate to each other. And then I thought, but what changes the nation? We're still not changed. We've got great churches. But the nation stays unchanged. The churches are great. And then I thought, there's something that's got to happen still. There's something, there's another step beyond this one that has to bring about the change that God has purposed. And if you go back and you study the revivals that have taken place in the world, and we see that huge swathes of geographic areas of the world became transformed by the presence of God. And revivals must lead to reformation where Change takes place in the way society works. The way we educate people, the way we care for people, the way we don't rob each other, we don't don't beat each other up, where we don't speak on the phone and just do the roundabout without stopping. It's, It's all about that. We should be the ones making this better. So where are we missing this? I wonder, for me it might well be that when I'm in that time of encounter with God, like the conference that I've described, and for probably a week, I live in this place of I could change this world. I could, I could see anything happen in my life. I could see my neighbors change. I could see this change. And people say, let's pray. Oh, absolutely. Let's go to the prayer meeting. But in the second week, it's, mm, There are a lot of other things I've got to do. You know, I'm a busy man. And that's somehow, I can't sustain this on my own. I can't keep myself in that place where I believe God. I believe what Jesus said. And I live believing it. You know, it's great that we meet It's great that we pray. It's great that we worship. But I believe there's another dynamic that is available. It's the dynamic of the fear of the Lord. Where we live daily in that place of revival and transformation. I'll never forget years ago we had a um, a season where God moved powerfully amongst us back in East London. And there was a guy who came called uh, uh, Dr. Edward Miller. And he told us about the revivals that had taken place in South America. And he described to us that they had meetings that went to 1, 2 in the morning, and they came back the next day and did it again. And more people got saved in every one of these meetings. And churches went from 12 to 400 in two weeks. And all new believers getting saved and built in and that you walked carefully because the presence of God was so awesome. Oh, why not again? Yeah. Seriously, why not again? Not revival for revival's sake to say, oh, look, we've got a revival. Revival for the sake of our land. Revival for the sake of the nation. Revival for the sake of of crime ending. Revival for the sake of poverty ending. Revival for the sake of marriages being healed. Children being restored in families. This is the plan of Jesus. And He entrusts it to us like He did to His disciples. And He says, you, go and do it now. He has no doubt about his ability. What he's looking for is us. God, I believe with all my heart that you can do this. I believe I'm saved for a purpose greater than I've ever imagined. It's not just about having a great meeting and having encounters. That's brilliant but it's got to be something that works outside the doors Monday through Saturday. It's got to do more than this. You know, it's great that we go on outreaches, but we don't bring back the lost sheep in their droves and build them into the kingdom and go fetch some more and teach them to fetch some more. And we don't do that. It's good that we're doing what we are, but I I just live with this, we're just not quite getting there. This, I believe there's a somewhere else. I believe you believe there's a somewhere else. But I believe there's something stopping us from reaching the somewhere else. And I wonder if it's the concept of the fear of the Lord. You know, I know when that time of the move of God took place in East London... We, we walked so carefully. You know, if somebody irritated you, annoyed you, you kind of, uh-huh, I'll speak to you in a loving way. Husbands and wives spoke in a different way, children spoke in a different way. Is there a key here? You know, I've, I've been studying the scriptures because I deeply care about believers, I care about the church. And I've come to a conclusion. And I'm not going to force you to believe my conclusion. But what I honestly believe with all my heart is if the fear of the Lord, as Proverbs tells us, is the beginning of wisdom, boy, we need the fear of the Lord then. We need the wisdom of God. We need to know how God wants to proceed in this nation and wants to proceed in our lives. I really also came to this place. of want say, I can't get wisdom unless I believe, I fear God. I can't come to Him and be transformed by Him. So Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, it's not worth anything. And sometimes I think, that, you know, Scripture shows us that people say, where is this God that you talk about? He's not turning up. He's nowhere to be seen. I believe God is waiting for us. He's waiting for us to wake up to the greater purpose that He has for us. He's waiting for us to get ready. You know, Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, he says, in the last days, there'll be a great falling away. Many will be offended because of the increase of wickedness. Many in the church will say, I thought God was good, but look at what's happening in this nation. Look at what's happening in this church. I'm out of here. It doesn't work. We need the fear of the Lord. We need that daily occurring revelation of who he is or we can't do this and I just, I just honestly believe that God wants to do the most remarkable thing in our lives because he came to save us, he handed us the mandate to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and teach them everything he had taught them We're not doing it. Jesus said, Revelations tells us that the bride of Christ, Revelations 21, is, uh, Revelations 19. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Us, the bride of Christ. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. God's purpose for us is to be holy people, set apart for God. Dot reminding me of the scripture where of the, or in Revelation, said they overcame by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives so much As to shrink from death. What's that telling us? They were willing to be martyred for their decision. Do you know that one of the fastest growing churches in the world now is in Iran, the one country that is causing such concern in the world? Yet, there where people will be executed for their decision to follow Jesus or to proselytize and make disciples. But it grows, it grows, and it grows. And it grows in truth. It grows in, in, in revelation of Jesus. And people say, I, I have seen him. I know him. And even if they kill me, they can't take this away from me. I know what I believe because I've glimpsed the glorious one. Mostly in the West and here. I don't feel like going to church today. Let's have a lion. There's something. There's some rugby to watch. Let's do that instead. Let's get the biltong out and let's chill, guys. That's not going to change the nation. <laughs> I hate to tell you that. Do you know that I believe that in all of our hearts there's a secret longing for the reality? I believe it with all my heart. But something's got to happen to catapult us into the place where we say, God, I will die for you. I will literally give up my life because I am sold out on who you are and what you've done for me. I will not back down. I will overcome by the power of my testimony and I will not shrink back. This life that I have has been given as a gift to bring transformation to this world. But eventually, it's gonna run out. If it doesn't rust out, it's gonna burn out. That's what we called for. We're called to change the world. They're called for it. There is not one reason why there could not be people in this room right now who want our journey to some remote corner of the world where they are hostile to Jesus and give their lives to see Jesus made Lord there. You know, it's great that we go out on outreaches. I love it. I love that we go to Barrow and we emptying wards from what I can gather. That's good. But there's something more that's got to happen. And I know that in Daryl's heart, that is that that is there. In John's heart, that is there. And the longing in the leadership is that: Will the day come when that wonderful moment occurs, when the suddenly comes among us? I say, we're changed forever. We can never go back to where we were. We will forever live our life. As long as there's breath in these lungs, I will do something to bring about a change. But as long as I don't fear God, as long as I don't really recognize him for who he is, I was thinking during the worship, we need this. Gosh, I love the worship tonight. I love those songs. I need to be reminded all the time of who he is and who I am. I need to sing those words. I need to sing them with you. I need to sing them with the musicians. I need to be led into that place. This is what you're about. It's not about tomorrow morning, catching a flight at five, being fetched at up past five in the morning. It's not only about that. What am I gonna do tomorrow? What am I gonna do the next day? Do you know what, folk? I really believe each one of us has all the potential to bring about the most incredible transformation. I really believe that each one who's been called by Jesus has not been called because he doesn't know. you know, he's hot up and he says, oh, well, let's, let's try old Joe Bloggs here because maybe he'll do it. He looks at you and he says, I know what my spirit and you can do if you will just let my spirit be the Lord. If you will just listen to my spirit, if you will just put aside your own life and come to this place of I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me, then we will be the Pauls, the Peters, Johns, James, Jude of this world. We will be the transformers of this world. And we will be the ones that will live our lives with that incredible sense of today. Somebody can get is going to get saved today. I'm going to bring somebody from the brink of of disaster, and I'm going to give a life a meaning this day. I hear they're praying. God, let's go and pray. You know, we used to have all night prayer meetings in London, and oh, we had them in East London for three years before. Uh, Perestroika and, and, and Nelson Mandela's release. Do you know they were mainly boring? I hate to say it. I used to sit there and think, oh God, God, I've worked the whole week and now I'm here and it's a long time till the sun comes up and <laughs> I can go and go to bed. But that's because I didn't believe I was a Transformer. I didn't believe I'd come to make a difference in the land. We would say, we published the agenda before the prayer meeting. Right, right, we're praying about this, this, this. Oh, I want to be praying for that. That's really interesting. And then I'd fall asleep and I'd wake up and they passed it. <laughs> Even missed the bit I came for. But God, that's not what God intended. I'm not denying that was a very, very valuable thing to do. But I do believe It's not whether we have an all-night prayer meeting. It's not whether we have great bands on the platform. It's not whether we have great preachers on the platforms. It's whether we are in awe of Jesus. And we stand there and we say, I've come into this place to worship the King of glory. I've come here to join my heart to the hearts in this room proclaim who he is and how great he is and how much I love him and how much I am determined that he will be all that he says he is in the way I live as well this morning I took a long time to kind of study the consequences of our falling away from Jesus is it possible Personally, I believe it is possible to backslide out of salvation completely. I don't believe that it's just a free piggyback ride. It's not about the ones saved always say, pray the prayer, okay, you're done, hallelujah, let's go. You're going to glory, brother. I don't believe that. I believe it's about my walk with Jesus every day that brings me to that place where eventually I live in such close communion with him that whether I'm in the flesh or with him, as Paul says, he knows me and I know him. That's what I really believe this is all about. This journey is about becoming a, a transformed person, not because I read a great book on transformation or not because I listened to a great series of teaching, but because I'm walking with the transformer every day and he's speaking to me. And he's saying to me, this is what I've got for you to do today. Come on, go for it. Yes, I'm longing to you for you to be here with me. But until then, boy, you've got a lot to do on this earth. You've got an earth to change. Because I entrusted you with my spirit. And I want you to become an agent of transformation. Because you have my spirit on the inside of you. And I believe that that is is the plan that God has. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, verse 21, he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. He's talking about people who say Lord. That means they were in the church, believe they were part of it. But only the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven? so it 's not a question of going back into the lawn, issuing rule books to everybody. Do this, and you're definitely home dry. But something in your heart says, "I want to obey you, Jesus. I want to walk, not because somebody says, "You will obey Jesus every day. I walk because I'm in relationship with him and every day. I download who he is and I walk in that place where my life is being changed and I want to obey him. So Jesus says, not everybody who goes to church is going to get in. He says, but only the ones who do the will of my Father in heaven. Well, let's find out what it is. He says, many will say to me on that day, the day he refers to the day he comes to judge the world and every one of us will face him. And he says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? And in your name, and in your name drive out demons? And in your name, did we not perform miracles? Hey, listen, these are people that have been in the church. They've been doing the stuff. But he's speaking to them. And he says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. That burns my heart up. I don't want anybody to face that. I don't want anybody that I've had anything to do with to face that. I I want to know without a shadow of a doubt that I live so that every single person I have anything to do with knows and enters into the rest of the Father who says, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus says in John chapter, where is it? John chapter 14, whoever has my commands and obeys them, that's the one who loves me. You know, a lot of people say, I love you, Lord, but I don't do what you say. Uh, it's not that good. <laughs> but seriously, I think that, I think that there's a big gap between love you, Lord, and I do what you say. Because he says, if you love me, you're gonna do what I say. Because you spent every day coming to me and saying, what are you doing today, Jesus? Where are we going? What's happening? I know you've got to work. I got to work. We all got to work. But even in my place of work, what am I doing today? We're out on this Day of change, what is my part that I'm going to play? You can say, oh, but Les, you don't understand. I, I'm a vet, or so I'm a teacher. I can't really do much. I'm not allowed to speak hate speech and anything else. Do you think he doesn't know? I think he does. I think he has every idea of how he's going to do that. Do you know what I really believe? Have you ever walked into a room... And you become aware the moment you walk in, there's some people in that room. There's something different in this room here. What is it? You know what I'm talking about? There's somebody in that room who fears God. And what they're doing is radiating out. They haven't said a word to you, but something is coming out of them. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's planned for you and me. That's what he has purposed for our lives. That's what he wants to do with you and me. And you know, as long as I'm here on this earth, I need to have that in my mind. I'm here as a missionary. I'm here with a purpose. I'm here to change the world. I'm here to transform. None of us have a boring job. None of us have a boring job if Jesus is part of that job. If Jesus is running it, it's exciting and it's going to bring about transformation. Could it happen that like in Iran, we will have to pay for our decision to be obedient to him? Very possibly. You know, uh, I was was reading um, a report yesterday of um, an actress in London. She was in a West End production She was a believer. She is a believer. And four years ago, she posted a scripture on Facebook. Somebody found it, communicated to the theater company that employed her. She was fired from her top position and her agent dropped her. Why? People are terrified of the liberal element in the world who are now calling the shots. Guys, it's our turn to call the shots. It's our turn to transform this world. We have to decide. What am I called for? I don't want to just go to church for every Sunday for the next 50, 60 years and then say, well, that's it. I've done my part. You're called to much more than that you are called to do the greatness of God and I have no idea what it's going to cost you but I believe we can say with all our heart I trust you Jesus that I can say despite everything that might happen it is well with my soul I am safe in Jesus and I have nothing to be afraid of and that's where I believe we need to be. With all my heart, I believe that we need to. Paul told Timothy, in First Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, he says, the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Hey, he's talking about us. And some are gonna do that. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, he says to Timothy, for the time will come where people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths If we keep the fire burning, if we as the church of Jesus Christ retain the element of God in the midst of this place, if when people meet you and me at the coffee or anywhere else, they're meeting the presence of Jesus and they look and it gels with the presence of Jesus in them and we create an explosion of joy, that keeps us alive. It keeps us from falling away. It keeps us from becoming those people who say, well, I only wanna hear good messages that make me feel good. Give me wings and make me feel that this is all just great. Tell me that God wants to bless me and if I'm not being blessed, he's just waiting to bless me. He'll turn up any moment. It's not the reality. Daryl spoke of in this life, you'll have many troubles, but take, take joy. He said, Jesus, I've overcome this world. It's a momentary trouble, but eventually you will see the greatness of God. And I just cry out to God for that, that to come about in us, come about in the church, that once again the church will be aflame with this glory that, people will not be able to wait to get into that door. We'll be packed wall to wall because the people want to be where the fire of God is, where the the zeal of Jesus is. Where we feel. We won't have to say, oh God's in the place because everybody will know it. And we will be absolutely overwhelmed by who He is and what He has come to do. Finally, Jude, the brother of Jesus, our Lord. Jude chapter one, verse 20. Jude says, but dear friends, by building yourself in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. He understood. What's it like to know your brother is God? You know, did they argue as kids? Did they fight? Did they, hey, that's mine. Now it's my turn. Mom! Or what did they do? But Judah settles it in his heart once and for all. Jesus Christ is Lord. And he says the purpose of our life is for him to bring us into the eternal purposes of God. That's what we're here for. That's where we're going. That is why God called you and me out of darkness. As a buffalo Johan painted. Do you know what I love about buffaloes? Johan was talking about it. You don't get nice buffaloes. They don't get buffaloes who are having a really cool day and they just want to be nice to everybody. If you get a buffalo's way... The buffalo is pre-programmed to take you out with those horns of his. It's never different. He is always what he is. And that's what God wants us always to be. We are what we are. Never does it change. Never is it less. We wake up what we are. We go to bed As we are, we are the people of the living God on this earth. Hallelujah. Bless you. Thank you for having me here. It's been fantastic, and we can't wait to get back to you. Thank you very much. God bless you. Liz, I think you need to pray for us before you go, please. Okay. (laughs) I'd love to. I'm just aware that old men tend to ramble and tell long stories. (laughs) you got to watch this. Father God, let's stand together. Come on, let's get on our feet. Father, these are your people. And I ask you, we come here. And we thank you that you called all of us out of darkness. At some point, we heard the call and we said yes. And Father, maybe life has messed that up a bit and we've lost that deep longing for you. And Father, the longing of my heart is that as a church, we will once again take hold of what you took hold of us for. And we will live that these people, each one of us, will live our lives in the transforming power of Holy Spirit. And we will become transformers wherever we go. And Lord, I ask you, I don't know how, but I've got to trust you that if we choose to say that Jesus is more important to us than anything else, you will take care of the consequences of that choice. And I pray you will raise up in this place people of exceptional courage, people of awesome, awesome conviction. People who will do great exploits for God. People who will be overcomers and lead many people to become overcomers. People who will never doubt and won't love what they are or what they have because they love you. Lord, that's what you saved us for and I pray that you will start doing that in our lives. Even tonight, begin a process of understanding and a shift in our change in our ways of thinking. Lord, I ask you, don't let us just go back to same as again. Lord, something's got to change. Something has got to change. And I ask you, please, Father, come and do that amongst us. Set a fire in our hearts. Set a fire in our midst. Cause our hearts to once again overflow with love for you that we will not doubt for one moment who you are and what you've called us for. And that will become our vision and our mission. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Bless these precious people. Cause them to know how amazing you are in each one of them. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.